Hey, good evening, good evening. You're truly Dr. Barry Pierre. Thank you for joining another episode of The Real Physician Racks. This is our Thursday night series where I get live talking about something that comes across my social media feed. And this hit me like a ton of bricks, right? So you can see the article here from The Hill. One in four medical students consider quitting. Uh, most don't plan on treating patients. Thank you for joining. Thank you for joining. Make sure you hit the like, make sure you hit the share, make sure you hit the follow, right? So I have talked about burnout at various times throughout you know my time on social media. It's been a while, right? But it's one of those things where we could probably have an in-depth discussion literally once a month because that is how significant just burnout, just in healthcare is in general. Now, of course, as a current practicing physician who is in kind of the middle, right, where I help train, right? I was helping training residents. I was helping training medical students. I have a lot of mentees who are wanting to be pre-med. And I'm still the young bunch as far as a lot of my colleagues, right? Like I just turned 40 this past last year, right? So I'm still young in the sense of the the attending physicians. So I'm kind of stuck in this middle position where I see what a lot of the older physicians are dealing with and just people in healthcare. And I see a lot of the younger people who are coming up and all of the struggles that they're dealing with, right? So we're going to talk about this study right here. Uh, this was published uh, from the Clinician of Future 2023. It's a report that they've done the past two years doing a kind of just a broad survey globally to say, hey, what's going on in healthcare? And they're asking the students. So this survey encompassed medical students and nursing students and asked them various questions about what they thought about healthcare, their current place of practice, what they thought about the future, a lot of good things to come. So these are just some of the things that I want to make sure we kind of hit home first and foremost, right? Students were committed to and positive about their education, but these are some of their concerns. Mental health, study life balance, combined with external worries such as misinformation and clinician shortages, right? So what, what, what we know, right? And this is something that we've kind of brushed on. Mental health is an extreme important focus. And when you talk to medical students or just people in healthcare in general, like they are not about the, hey, I don't care that you done, you know, had to walk barefoot in snow for two miles to get to the hospital. Like, I don't care what you used to do in the past. I'm telling you what I'm going to have to deal with now. And when I talk to a lot of my older colleagues, like a lot of my older colleagues would sometimes use this kind of against there are the younger generation of people in healthcare are like, oh, they're not as strong, they're weak, they're quote unquote soft, right? Because they won't allow people to mentally abuse them for 80 plus hours a week for three, four, three to four years, if not more, and be like, oh, because everyone else did it. And I think what's happening now is that more and more of those students, right? Again, obviously this is medical students, but more and more of just students in general, just people in healthcare are not going to allow you to like, like take them through hell just for the paycheck. I think back in the day for that paycheck, they had no problem going through hell. But for this paycheck, they're like, no, 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 there are much better things I would rather do with my life, right? Than go through hell just for the fact that everyone else did it, right? Like, again, you're not going to go through 40 for, you know, for medical school, for any doctor in general, 
four years of undergrad, this is minimum, four years of undergrad, four years of medical school, three plus years of residency. You're not going to do all of that here, right, just for the paycheck, right? Like, again, that's that's what, 11 plus years that you could have focused on any other career and did that. So when you see more and more studies like this, and, and I like that this study is focusing specifically on medical students, because if you ask people who have been around the block, right, my older colleague physicians, they got a list of reasons why they hate medicine, a list of reasons why they can't wait to like get out of there. Right. But they've also made a lot of money, too. Right. They, you know, we got to be honest, they made a lot of money. But as we continue to move down like the, the totem pole, right, and not only are we asking older physicians, but now we're asking younger physicians. Now we're asking residents, right? These are people who are about to be an attending physician. And now that we're asking medical students, what do you think that's going to do from a trickle down effect, right? Like now people who are pre-med are going to be like, hold on, I'm not signing up for that. Like that's wild to me. Like, hold on, y'all got to deal with all of that excess stress. Like, y'all have to deal with the fact that there are rules that say it's okay to work 80 hours in a work week. There are rules that say, yeah, it's okay to work 80 hours in a work week and get paid 40, you know, thousand a year, 45,000 a year. fifty. Like, there are actual rules that say, yeah, no, nah, that's okay because they're a medical resident. Knowing that the work that you're doing is producing a lot more money than that 40,000 that they're paying you. Right? Like, that is the problem at hand. Because in this study, again, and we'll, and we'll talk a little bit more about some of the other things they found in this study. But I want to make sure that, you know, especially when you see that one in four U.S. medical students right now. Again, this study was about 3000 students, nursing and medical globally. Uh, I think it's about 92 different countries. But but imagine getting that consensus that 25 percent of these students are ready to give up medicine now. And these are some other numbers that was very concerning for me. Um, as uh, you know, a person who likes taking care of patients, fifty-eight percent of people found that what they were studying for was only a stepping stone, and they had no intentions on taking care of patients. Like they only saw what they were doing as to, hey, you know, I'm gonna get this degree here to go do something else because I don't want to have to deal with patients. Right. And I'm seeing a lot of great points here. Um, administration being a huge issue uh, for sure. Uh, so uh, we'll, we'll ignore that one because that's annoying. Uh, so much wrong with what they need to go through in order to take care of people. Yeah, no, that's I think that's the biggest one where Cooper says, like, yeah, like just to go into this field. Right. Just to go into this field of healthcare, We put our people through so much. Right. We put our trainees and really, our and I—it's I, our future colleagues. We put our future colleagues through so much anguish and stress, and say you should just deal with it, because I had to deal with it, and then expect them to take care of patients, uh, chipper and be super happy about it, and not really worry about like, hey, you know, what what's your life going on? Like, how many hours do you sleep? Like, that's not a concern. It's like, no, I'm putting you through all this stress, and then you got to deal with everything else. Right. So this is some of the, you know, the the rise of angst. Right. When we talk about just medicine, medicine in general, I tell people when you see an a-hole, you know, attending physician, whether it be a surgeon, an internist, a pediatrician, a, whatever, they're likely a-holes as medical students as well. Like it starts early. But we're getting to the point now that our system. Right. And it's really a system process. because Obviously, we had to talk about why people are doing this way. Our system 
is like really ingratiating people who are just, you know, hardwired to be mean, right? To, to be ugly to other people, right? And to really not see the patient as we should see them. Like the past about three weeks or so, if you if you follow me on, uh, if you follow my podcast, right, especially my old, uh, I've been talking just about some of the different things that as a physician, we need to do better. I've talked about how, you know, doctors aren't the boss no more, right? I've talked about how our patient-doctor relationship has been blocked, pretty much trash. I talked about how people are going to seek health coaches rather than seeking doctors, right? Like I've talked about all of these different breakdowns. And this is where it starts, right? It starts with medical students, pre-med students recognizing that what I signed up for when I was a little kid, right? When I was a little kid saying, man, I can't wait to be a doctor when I grow up, like is not what I got once I got to medical school. Like that was completely different. And there's a lot of different reasons why, a lot of different reasons why. Of course, someone mentioned administration, right? The, uh, there's a lot of administrative paperwork that's just associated with healthcare that is really hardened people to say, you know what? I don't want to do this no more. I, I want no parts of what's going on here. Pay is one thing, right? I, I'll, I'll tell people all the time. You go into medicine and don't even, and especially for my medical students, when they try to say like, ah, the, co- the, the what they're paying me doesn't mean that. That's a lie. Like, I, I want you to be okay with making money. That's, it's, it's not a problem like wanting to make money. But what I think the problem lies is that if you thought you were going to make X amount of money for X amount of work and you're doing twice or three times the amount of work and you're only still getting X amount of money, like that discordness is very difficult for a lot of people to kind of swallow, right? Like, hey, I'm doing, I'm putting this much work in and I'm only getting that much back, right? Not, not to say that they're only doing it for the money, but what they're saying is that, hey, I'm doing a lot of work and I'm not getting the financial benefits from it. I have a lot of my, especially my, especially colleagues, because I'm, I'm about to be 10 years out of residency. So when I talk to a lot of colleagues who are around my same age, a lot of them will tell you that, man, I am just looking for other ways right, to generate income. I'm just looking for other ways to make money. I'm just looking for other, and it's not to say that they, they're money hungry. They're just saying like, man, I'm putting in a lot of work on this side over here and I, I don't want to go away from it because we love patients. Majority of us love taking care of patients. I don't want to go away from it, but the reality is I put 11 years into this thing and I'm not really getting 11 years worth of money coming back. Now, and of course, obviously the money is relative. I don't want y'all to jump in my comments and saying, oh my God, these doctors making 150, 200, 250, whatever the number is, that's a lot of money for more. Yes, we know that, right? But when you put in 11 years of work, you want to make more, especially when you continue to make the, the, the amount of work that you do and have to deal with the stress, the liability and everything else kind of associated with it, right? So that's, you know, so again, I, I understand. I understand that doctors make a good amount of money, but for the amount of work that they get, they don't feel that they make enough, right? And that's not a bad thing to say. So we have now this system of, I like to call it a system of torment. We have a system of torment in how we take care of our pre-meds, our medical students, our residents, and they say, all right, now it's time to be attending. We have a system of torment. Even when you become an attending, it ain't all sweet. I can tell you that. I have a lot of friends who've had to change jobs, switch jobs because the contracts weren't right. Uh, you know, you know, they were seeing more like again. So it's not sweet when you become an attending, but it's really more pronounced as it. And that's just a system process. 
So we have system issues. We have administrative issues, financial issues. And I talk about like the, especially from a, especially financial, the, the big piece of the pie when it comes to healthcare. Like if you ask the general public, they will make it seem like the doctors and the, the nurses, they're, they're the ones making all of the money when majority of it go to people who did not do anything associated with medicine. They went the business route. And, and that's one thing that typically hits most, uh, you know, healthcare professionals in the face is that this healthcare is a business with a capital B. And they didn't go into it thinking, all right, I need to be about my business since they just figure, hey, I need to make sure that I light up the room when I walk into a patient's room. I need to make sure that I'm attentive. I need to make sure that patients know that I that that's all they're thinking about when someone else is thinking like, all right, how can I get this doctor to work for this amount of money and make this much more off of, right? Like so that that is a big thing, right? And obviously I'm I'm big on like focusing on, you know, the aspect of business because that's this just is what it is. From that standpoint, there, uh, someone says the hospital admissions make. Cl- oh yeah, clin- yeah. Someone said hospital admins making clinical decisions. I, there was a there was a reel that someone has shared with me the other day where uh, one of the admit like a doctor was like a person was a W amputee and the insurance company denied them denied them right to get a wheelchair and, and people can't even process. Like how an insurance company can deny you, can deny you for getting wheelchair until you're on the outside. Well, until you're on the other side of the, because I did outpatient medicine, and you will be surprised some of the reasons why you get in denial. Now, mind you, a lot of times you get in denial and it's a, it's a computer system that's kicking out that no, right? It's not like a person saying, hey, nah, um, I don't think that person should get a wheelchair, it's just that as the physician, you didn't click enough buttons or you didn't say the right things for that computer to say, yeah, you should definitely get that wheelchair. Right. And it, but it happens more often than not. And almost every single specialty faces it one way, uh, shape or form. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Dr. Julie. Yeah. Most, most, unfortunately, most people are going into this thing uh, in healthcare. Thinking like, all right, I don't plan on even taking care of a patient when it's all said and done. And that's just, now again, obviously I'm an internist. Like that's just mind boggling to me that you can go into healthcare with no intentions to take care of patients when it's all said and done. No intentions whatsoever when it's all said and done. But there's a lot more people doing it and there's a lot, unfortunately, there's a lot more opportunities to do, do it, right? Because people are being turned away from wanting to take care of people, right? Because they don't want to, and we, we see a lot tonight, we don't want to deal with insurance companies. We don't want to deal with the administrative purpose work. We don't want to have to deal with this fact that I'm working, you know, X amount of dollars, but I'm only getting half of that. Like we don't have to deal with that. So I want to go, the, I don't want to say the easy route, but I want to go the route that's of less resistance. And that's where it's becoming. We're getting to the point where less resistance is like, yeah, I'm not going to see patients. Right, I'm just gonna do my administrative paperwork. I'm gonna be, uh, you know, a director of this building here. Not see them, and I'm just gonna sign off things, and I'm just gonna make my money that way. And and I think that's that's a scary thing, especially when I think about like, hey, you know what? Like, uh, there's gonna be have to be a generation that's going to even one day replace me. Right, one day I'm not gonna want to do medicine no more. Right, and who is the next generation of healthcare professionals? 
uh, whether it be nurses, ARMPs, PAs, doctors, who's going to be that next generation of people who can't wait to take my spot? Like we continue to have just this a, a shortage of healthcare providers that that just continues to worsen, right? It just continues to worsen. Now, I believe there's there's some bottlenecking that's happening, right? There's some there's some unfortunate. Uh, you know, societal things that are squeezing uh, the lemon, so to speak, as far as making it so that a lot of people can't get into the system. Uh, but like we are we are continuing to run into the problem. We are going to continue to run into this issue of having uh, less people who want to take care of people and more more importantly, less qualified people, less qualified people who want to take care of people right now. That's I think that should like stop the prices now. Right. Because if you're thinking like, all right, like, like who's going to take care of me when I'm, you know, 60 years old, 70 years old. Right. Like is, is the person taking care of me going to really want to take care of me or they're just kind of passing the time? They're like, all right, man, I just got to I just got to get through this day and I don't want to do this. Right. So we have to especially as and, and obviously I'm in the system. And it's one of those things where I talk about a lot where when you're in the system, you have to take some of the blame. So, yes. And yes, because I'm a physician, I have to say, yes, I'm a part of a system that makes it hard for pre-med students to become medical students. I'm a part of a system that makes it hard that when pre-med students become medical students, right, we we, we drag them down. We, we you know, we try to break them. We try to do all the things we can in the eyes of, oh, everyone else had to do it. Right. And even for my residents, you know, because I used to be a program director, even for my residents, seeing my residents on a day to day basis. Right. It was so interesting when you would see uh, some residents perform one way versus the other. Right. And in how certain attendings felt they needed to, uh, you know, treat one residence versus the other. Right. Like that continues to happen like to this day. Right. And again, these are these residents who were working 80 plus hours for like 40,000, 50,000 bucks a year. Right. Like it's just wild to me, especially if you just break it down on an hourly rate standpoint, how much they're getting, right? But again, they're responsible for taking care of your grandma, your grandpa, your mom and dad when they get in the hospital, right? A lot of you, a lot of you are being taken care of by these residents, right? Who work 80 plus hours a week, right? And they are getting, they are getting beat down mentally and there's no system of support for them to say, hey, you know what? I know you got some, like, I, I got you. Right. Like like to the path where you almost have to go above and beyond to say, hey, you know, what, medical students, I got you. Hey, you know, what, my residents, I got you. Like as an attending, you almost have to go above and beyond. And when you do that, you like stand out like you should not be in a position where you stand out because you want to take care of your residents. Right. Like that should not be the case whatsoever. But unfortunately, and you see more. And again, this is just the second year. This is just the second year of this study. Uh, last year, uh, the number was about 13%. So this number continues to get worse as far as people who are in our profession who can't wait to leave this profession. Uh, these are some other numbers uh, that they showed. Again, 60% of the students, medical and nursing, worried about their mental health. 21% of the students, uh, uh, nursing students, thought about quitting, right? 21% of nursing, like, yeah, we can't even, our nurses are infected. Right. So it's not just a medical school thing. Even the nursing, like, I don't know what they're doing on the nursing side. I would need some nurses to chime in for me. But even the nurses and the studies uh, to become a nurse is being affected that that many people are like, nah, I'm cool with what I'm seeing here. 
right? Now, some ports that I did like about this study, 80% said managing public health is a priority. Shout out to public health. Y'all know I have a public health degree, so shout out to that. 79% agreed that there should be a greater focus on the patient experience. And I think a lot of that comes from the fact that like, hey, like if I, as the, the healthcare provider, has a good experience, then I should be pushing that on to my patient. But if I personally don't have a good experience, like how can I like how can I give my patient the experience that they needed? I talked about this week as far as like especially when we talk about health coaches and doctors. One thing health coaches do a very good job at personalizing the experience for their client and in doing so getting better results than the doctors. Because they do a great job saying, hey, you know what? I know who you are. I know what you need. This is what I'm going to give you. Right. But unfortunately, our system, especially in healthcare as a whole, in our training, like makes that, you know, very difficult to do so. Oh, yeah. But Chris says uh, more gold carding, fewer prior offs. Yeah, no, I think that would like the, the again, just the just the fact now. From a prior authorization standpoint, I remember I was talking to an insurance agent about that. Like, what's what was the whole purpose of it? It's not like you had doctors like myself just willy nilly, you know, ordering test after test after test. Now, yes, there were some. I'll say there was a percentage. Yes. But what their goal was to say, hey, you know what? If I can stop 10 percent of these tests from being ordered at the end of the year, I'm going to save this company like millions of dollars. So think about it. They're calculating the fact that if I say no enough times to these doctors, we're going to save millions of dollars a year. Right. And again, so that's that's people who say, you know, what? I'm I'm putting the business hat on and the healthcare hat is not my concern. You know, who, you know who worries about healthcare? Let the doctors and nurses worry about healthcare. I am I'm administrator worried about the dollar, the dollar bill. Right. And making sure that our stock price is great at the end of the quarter. Right. So I'm, I'm going to stop 10 percent of these authorizations and save us millions and millions uh, every single year. Right. De- definitely an issue for sure. <laughs> Let's see. Let's see. Here's what I'm saying. Oh, they're too funny. <laughs> Oh no, I, d- I definitely agree. Uh, a doctor should definitely shout out. Uh, says a doctor should have a uh, max per day. Yeah, and with, with even especially especially my residents. Like I said, I you know shout out to my residents, right? And again, and mind you, I've been out of residency for again about ten years now, right? So I, I vividly remember like the amount of patients we had to see. Vividly remember like just having to train my brain to say, hey, you know what? Yeah, you might be tired, but if you don't take care of this patient in front of you, that person may die, right? So your your fatigue has to be put on the back burner. Your fatigue has to be saying, hey, you know what? Yeah, I may be mentally tired. I may be going through it, but I, nah, I, no, like, let me put that away. And and I think that's where, uh, you know, that, that concern becomes, right? Because like, so now I go through it for three years, so now I don't feel as bad, right, when residents behind me go through it, right? And that's that's an issue. Like, let me tell you a story. I was a, it was my first year, first year of residency, first year of residency, right? Now, mind you, I've been pretty outspoken for a while. First year of residency, um, all of the interns who are first year residents are on call. And usually on call is like when you're in a hospital, you're on call. But for some reason, I don't know if our seniors messed up the scheduling, there's no interns actually in the building for a specific in the hospital uh, for, let's say, the month of July. Like no buildings for that. No interns in uh, the hospital for that month. 
They still wanted, they as in our seniors, still wanted one of us to carry the pager for a call. And we're like, uh, no, that's stupid. Like, why would I carry this pager? And I'm literally not even in the building. And that caused a lot of hoopla. That caused, a, we, we had to have a couple private session meetings um, uh, to talk about it, right? Because they wanted to talk about it because uh, we just weren't going to do it. And, and again, their only reasoning was like, hey, we had to do it. And I'm like, yeah, that's cool that you had to do it. But that didn't make any sense when y'all did it last year. So we're not going to do it this year. Right. So this is just some of the things that kind of get passed on from class to class to class. So imagine if you are a medical student watching this happen, like you're a medical student saying like, oh, you know, what? I was thinking about doing internal medicine. But if that's what they do for to internal medicine residents when they're literally not in the building, like, nah, I might have to get away from that specialty. Right. Like. This this is just and that's just a small that's just a small pittance of what goes on during the training process. Right. And this is just for residents. Right. We don't like we said what they do to our medical students and what our medical students see on a day to day basis, especially in the background, like is scaring them clearly. Right. Because they, again, 25 percent want to go. Right. Twenty five percent are ready to go. Right. Because and, and someone asked why uh, we talked about it. We said mental health reason was a big one. Study life balance. Right. People are people should not be chastised for wanting to have some type of balance. Now, when I hear the balance word, it's I'm not assuming that they expect that 50 percent work, 50 percent, you know, life is going to happen. Right. But they don't want it where it's like 80 percent work and only 20 percent like gets to do with, hey, do with this 20% of what you want to do, right? Like they shouldn't expect that, right? And we as healthcare professionals, especially those who have gone through it, like we should be advocating, making sure that our residents, our medical students, our nurses, everyone in the field does not have to experience that. Oh, thank you. Appreciate for the roses. Appreciate for the roses. So that is, I think, an extreme concern that we have to continue talking about. Like I said, because unfortunately the numbers are getting worse, the numbers are getting worse. Like like people are, are not getting happier being in this healthcare system, right? People are not being happier by going through the trend. Like it's not a happy place. And if we don't do something, right, the shortage is going to continue to balloon. And we have to be honest, people are just going to die, right? And we, ha- and we have to be very blunt. We have to be very blunt with that. When you have less good healthcare professionals in our system, people will die. And, and if we don't do something, that's, that pro- that's a problem that's going to be rough out there for sure. Oh, let's see. Chris says, I'm a new intern. It's tough. Yeah, 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 no, no, it's definitely. And it's just one of the things, like, regardless of the specialty that you choose, the, the system has to be adjusted, right? This, like, now I, I can tell you, especially as a, a former program director, now the ACGME, which is kind of a governing body for residencies, like like probably five to 10 years ago, there was no such thing as wellness. There was no such thing as a focus on wellness within your training. Right. But what happened is more and more students became more burnt out, more depressed. Uh, we, we, we haven't talked about it here, but I, I follow a couple of doctors who really. Uh, Dr. Weibel, right? She focused specifically on like physician suicide. More and more of these things are happening more and more often that people are like, hold on, we got to do something, right? So now there's there's like wellness 
uh, you know, credits that a program has to have, right? There are wellness committees that a program is supposed to have, right? Because they're saying like, hey, if we don't at least give them an opportunity to talk about wellness or what they can do for wellness, like it's going to be a problem for us. So it just continues to spiral um, until we have to do something about it. Ooh, so oh, uh, uh, you hit it on the head. Uh, let, me, let me. I want to make sure. Oh, of course, of course. I, uh, uh, this is why uh, so many mental health professionals don't take insurance. You see, that's it. Poof. Like, think, think about that, right? Uh, such a significant caveat in our healthcare in general, right? Yes, you know, making sure your cholesterol and your blood pressure and all that's great. Yes, that's a that's a good part. But the way that the mental health aspect has been overshadowed downplayed and not given the respect just in just in the system of healthcare makes it so that we think that we should pay them pennies right from via especially via insurance we think that we should pay them pennies we think that we should limit the amount of visits that a person can get so get so what do you think my mental health professionals are going to do right they're going to be like oh okay cool like i'm not taking insurance you got to pay me cash Right. So that's automatically going to eliminate a lot of people who really should be seeing mental health professionals, but they can't because their they, their insurance doesn't cover it. And what the insurance covers is not very good. Right. So definitely uh, a concern uh, at hand. Uh, oh, yeah. Ooh. Uh, Dr. Lee says uh, and we just talked about this. The system is broken. This idea of wellness is just a math. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Like, and, and that's why I kind of mentioned it, right? Because the fact that uh, ACGME and these residency programs are getting burned so often, they just threw out like, hey, give them a wellness committee. No teeth behind it. Give them a wellness committee. Like, hey, make, make it so the residents have to be in this wellness program. Give them a, uh, I think, I think, I think ACGME requires you to do like one outing like every year or something like that. Like it just, like n- not addressing like, hey, you got malignant attendings. Hey, um, your hours are ridiculous. Hey, like your seniors are even malignant attendings, malignant, se- malignant residents as well. Nothing, nothing addressing that. No, give them a wellness committee so we can check it off and say, hey, look at us focusing on wellness. So we can so we can tell our um, you know people who are interviewing. Yeah, we got this wellness committee over here like that. I think you would love. Right. So definitely. Uh, on point, I, 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 that was a good one. <laughs> uh, so many RNs have quit in the past three years, like, and and especially, especially from my RNs, right? When for those, especially those who work in the hospital, I work in the hospital as well. So those who work in the hospital, if if y'all don't know how much work um, our nurses be putting in to take care of our patients, to make sure our patients are whole when we come see them the next day, like I used to, I joke but not joke. Uh, I'll see my patient, you know. Good 20, 30 minutes, right? You know, if I'm doing good, good 20, 30 minutes. My RN sit there for seven, eight hours, 12. A lot of them do 12s now. 12 hours taking care of your patient, making sure your patients get their medications, making sure they're, they're, they're getting up out of bed, making sure they're fed and all these things here, right? For Only for the hospitals to disrespect them every chance they get. Second, the census gets a little bit slower. Boom. Cancel this person, cancel this person, cancel this person to force the RNs to have to take on more patients at a time. Again, like burnout happens to the nurses as well. Right. So and it's one of those things where like, oh, they can handle it like, oh, they can handle it. Yeah. Yeah. That person can handle eight patients, 10 patients, 20. Like it's there's some there's some some facilities. I won't call them out. 
Some facilities where a nurse may have 10 plus patients to address and take care of. Like that's that's kind of the system that we're in. So I always I always, you know, I was especially I talk to my family members, um, you know, whenever they get into, you know, let's say they get hurt, accident, go to doctor's office, rehab, whatever the thing is. Right. To like, hey, you know, you know, relax, relax on my nurses, relax on them. They got like you may not see it, but they got a lot of work. They got to do. They got a lot of work they got to do. So please relax on them. Uh, this, this is why we love the nurses uh, here on this um, uh, app as well. <laughs> or at least especially on my social media platform. We shout out to our nurses. Uh, as the group uh, nurses is why they want to be nurses. Oh, that'd be uh, you, you'd be surprised now, especially from a because I've, I've talked to, you know, interesting now. And I don't know if it's just because I'm more aware of it. But I've talked to a lot of nurses, right? Especially like my RNs, my RNs, my LPNs, right? And asking like, hey, what do you want to do? And every single one of them are like, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to do this, right? Like this whole bedside stuff that we're doing now, I'm getting out of that, right? So you have the nurses who traditionally came in and boom, they were going to, that's what they were going to do, hold down the rehabs, the nursing homes, everything else. No, they can't wait to have that stepping stone outside of the day-to-day bedside. Right. Because, again, in the same premise. Right. Being overworked, underpaid, not respected at every whim. Overworked, underpaid, not respected at every whim. That is that that could be the model for our healthcare system right now. Right. There's not there's not a profession. Right. That's paid well. Right. That works great hours. Right. And that's fully respected. There's not that has all three of those. Right. Like it's almost a point where we have to kind of accept like, yeah, I might get paid very well, but my hours are going to be terrible. I might get paid very well, but the mental health stress of it, they're telling me I just have to accept. Right. Like there's so many different issues uh, that we are continuous to have to face because our system has been fundamentally broken. And unfortunately, like like we'd have to like I don't want to say destroy it, but it would have to go through such a major revamp that we'd have to listen to older Older attending say like, oh, my God, look how soft they are. Right. Like, And this is what happens now. Anytime you have any type of change to move away from these prehistoric, archaic structures of training and healthcare in general, you got some older attending telling you like, oh, they don't they don't make they don't make these healthcare providers like they used to. Right? Like they, they can't wait to do it. Right. Which is, you know, a whole nother thing. Uh, annoying as it is. <laughs> Let's see. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm shout out to the nurses. A lot of nurses saying I want to quit. Not most nurses want to quit. Yeah, but a lot of again, if you, especially if you just asking, like you know, it'd be an exercise, you know, especially for my healthcare colleagues, man. Just just ask, especially some of your colleagues. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you ever thought about quitting? Just ask them, right? You, I think a lot of us would be very surprised at how many people are already thinking about that next step, right? Like that is like where they're at now is the last thing. Um, you know, they want to do. <laughs> oh, oh, CD King says, uh, today as a medical student, I ran labs all day and learned that I'm useless. Yeah, no, no, that's the thing, right? We, we have, we have a structure where 
people who do uh, the most work and the most pivotal, like again, so because because this person is running laps, right? Which means whoever told them to run laps can't do what they need to do until they get those lab results back, right? But imagine not instilling in that student saying, hey, you know what? I appreciate all the work you're doing getting these labs because if you don't get these labs, I can't make my medical decision. Medical decision can't get the patient uh, where they need to be. Like I can't do these things, right? But because we never enrich and empower all of our levels of training, we, we put them on these dummy missions. We put them on these missions where we're saying like, oh, just go do this for me. You know, I want you to stay behind me. Don't say any word. We don't give them the respect that they're due, even though uh, in like three to four years, they're going to be our future colleagues. Right. Just never, never, never. Just a, a deep shock for me, for sure. Uh, let me see. Oh, uh, Lady Shock says the fraud in the community health in Arizona is out of control, too. So we are stuck in very. Oh, yeah. See, community health. That's a big thing, too. Like I'm in Florida. Right. So, you know, Florida is Florida. Right. But what we see a lot, especially in the community health setting. Right. So you have usually your most uh, indigenous population. Right. Pa- population who, um, you know, needs health care at its worst. Right. Usually the sickest, usually our diabetic hypertensives everything under the sun, right? But they have the least amount of services that are provided to them. Like we have a system where the people who need it the most cannot get it. So guess what happens to the people who are working within that system, right? They feel like they're in this rock and hard place. They want to take care of the patients that, because they want to do it, especially because you want, if you're doing community health, you really want to take care of patients, right? And you might be getting like a loan paid off, right? Which is even, you know, two for one. But you're handcuffed because of the amount of resources you do not have. And, and now you have to look at this patient in the eye and say, hey, you know what? If you were in a different place of life, I'd be able to offer you this, this and that. But because of where you're at right now, there's nothing I can do for you. Like that, that is what's so disheartening and makes it so hard for the professional to want to go to work the next day. Right. Because it becomes this issue of, all right, very sick patient. No resources to take care of the patient. Patient is disappointed in me. I'm disappointed in myself. Now I got to go back to work again. All right. Extremely um, disheartening for sure. Um, and oh, yeah. yeah. Gina says that insurance companies are making uh, the biggest profit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, whew. like these Humana's, Blue Crosses, Aetna's of the world. Like if you just because most of these are publicly traded companies, they make billions of dollars a year. Like, imagine that they're making billions with a B, billions of dollars a year in being essentially the middleman between the patient and the healthcare provider. And somehow they're able to generate billions of dollars a year by saying, hey, healthcare provider, I'm not going to pay for that test. And hey, patient who pays their, uh, you know, monthly uh, premium. Uh, you know what? This is your deductible, and I'm probably not gonna pay for that test either, right? Like it's just extremely, extremely disheartening, uh, for sure, right? But like I think it's, I think it's important, right? I think it's one of those things where we just have to continue talking about this, right? One because our pre meds, our medical students need to know that those who are ahead of them, wherever we're at in life, like are just as upset of the system that they are. Like, we have to let them know, like, hey, you know what? I, I know it's stressful. Hey, hey, med student, I know it's stressful down there, right? 
but I want to show you why you're doing this for me. I want to, you know, like we have to show, hey, resident, hey, nurse, right? Like or PA or like whatever field you're in, we have to continue to show them like that we appreciate their efforts and we are going to do something or we're going to continue to acknowledge it, right? Because like I think the acknowledging time uh, is past, right? Like, yes, we've acknowledged the system is bad. Now the question is, all right, what are we going to do about it? Right. And, and it has to be a very individual plus collective effort. Right. To make sure that like, hey, I got to be better than I was yesterday. Right. In the system. I got to take care of my nurses. I got to take care of my medical students, my residents, I, my other colleagues. Like I just have to make sure that I'm taking care of them because I know the system that we're in is going to try to beat us up, try to split us apart, try to do all the things that they can to get us to fight with each other while everyone else becomes happy. Right. The CEO of Humana, Blue Cross, and they're extremely happy. They make millions a year. Right. Those who have to deal with Humana prior authorizations hate Humana, but can't get away from it because like most of the patients they take care of are on Humana. Right. Like that's again, like imagine that just wild and craziness for sure. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. She says not the stress it's the abuse system and patients. Yeah. 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 No, it's um. Yeah, no, I think I think everyone gets beat up, right? Everyone gets beat up uh, when it comes to just healthcare in general, right? Like everyone, you know, gets their licks taken in, right? Especially, especially not me. I'm always a patient first, as you can see my arm, right? I'm a patient first type of person, right? Like I always want to know what happens like with the, my patient in front of me. I always want to know like, all right, my patient in front of me, what about their family members? Like I'm, I owe, again, that's why I got a public health degree, right? Cause I just want to know like from a broad perspective, like how can me taking care of this patient blood pressure do something, right? How can me educating on social media about diabetes do something for a community at whole, right? Like that's always been a, a thing for me uh, from, from that standpoint. But I think it becomes extremely extremely disheartening uh, when you can just continue to see uh, these articles pop up every single year, right? When you continue to see physician suicides on the rise, right? When you continue to see uh, more and more physicians saying, like, I, I'm quitting, I'm getting out of here. More and more nurses saying, yeah, I cannot wait to get this shift. Like, like it, it just becomes disheartening because, you know, at the end of the day, the person who loses is always going to be the patient. And one day you're going to be the patient. Right. One day you are going to be the patient one way, shape or form. Right. So the question becomes like, how how do you want to your provider to be on the other side when you happen to be uh, the patient? Right. I uh, know Joe reminds about the second between patients. And one oh, oh, man. Let me, let me, uh, this uh, big beans. I, I, I love I love this quote. And I'll, I'll, I'll talk about this before I get out of here. All right. When I was a when I was doing outpatient medicine. One of the first things, because I was fresh out of residency, one of the first things that they did was they got this uh, business consultant uh, to come through and time me. And what were they timing? So they would time like how long it took a patient to go into the office and go to the front desk. And then how long from the front desk to the back office where my MA would do vitals. And how long it took from vitals getting done for a patient sitting in uh, the room, from patient sitting in the room, for me walking into the room, for me doing what I need to do, walking out the room and then signing a chart. Everything was timed for like a two week span. 
And then they gave me this long report about what things I need to do to improve right my timing so I can get to the next patient. Because if I saw one extra patient a day, that means I can see, you know, 100, whatever the number is at the end of the year. Like that is how wild like it gets, especially when focus when people only focus on the business aspect. Right. And when you when you lose the fact that this should be patient centered care and patient centered care can't flourish if you're not taking care of the people who have to take care of the patients. Like, I think that for me, that sounds common sense. But like for some reason, they're like, no, it's dollar bill, dollar bill. They don't care how the others. Right. Like those who actually practice medicine, those who actually are like providing the care. They don't care about none of those other things. It's just about, all right, does this make dollars at the end of the day? That's all uh, the concern. <laughs> so wild. Yeah, and see, I like Cam. So I like Cam, right? And then, and this is and this I think is important as well too, right? So Cam says, do what I do, start my own practice, make less money, but practice on your own terms, right? Like, and that's where you're seeing a lot of people kind of going in this direction, right? So when you see like 25% of US medical students want to quit, right? They're already thinking like, all right, this 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 whole system right here, this ain't for me. This ain't for me. I got to do something else. And I'm okay not making the money I need to make, right? Because like for my sanity, mental sanity, like just spiritual sanity, like I can't keep going this route here. Like I'm not going to do it no more. So, you know, that, so definitely shout out to Cam, uh, Dr. Cam. And hopefully we're hopefully, uh, you know, your, your practice is flourishing. Um, I got, I know a lot of uh, my colleagues who right out the bat started doing direct primary care or concierge medicine right out of residency because they're like, I want no part of that system y'all got going over there. I'm going to do my own thing. Now, of course, obviously it's harder when you're starting out doing your own thing um, in general, but like they said, like, this is, this is, this is what I'm going to do uh, for that. Right. So shout out to Dr. Camp. Oh, let me see. All right. Uh, what are you trained? Uh, uh, train? like, that. Uh, like I trained in South Florida. Uh, and this was in my residency was 2011 of 14 uh, from that standpoint. There. And, and I can tell you, when I trained in 2011, 14, ACGME wasn't talking about wellness. Like wellness is like a fairly new thing um, fr from that, from a, a focus of the residency standpoint, uh, because they saw the writing was on a wall. Like, hey, something's about to go down like really bad in healthcare. Like if you don't at least try to like put some type of bandaid uh, on this issue and process of itself. Right. So, all right. So I'm about to hop out now again, like always, I appreciate everyone for liking, joining, uh, you dropping in comments, much appreciated. Uh, make sure you like, make sure you follow. Um, if you want to catch this whole episode, it will be on my YouTube channel tomorrow. Um, as well as my podcast tomorrow as well. Uh, y'all be blessed. Have a great evening and I'm gonna see you guys later. Bye.